Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 95, and I'm drinking Tangeray. With each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Tangeray on this episode because it's a very popular gin, one of the top, if not the top, gin brands in the world. More on that as I get into history. So the bottle I have of Tangeray for the tasting is the classic 750 milliliter size. Tangeray is bottled at 47.3% alcohol by volume, making it 94.6 proof. And a 750 milliliter bottle retails for $22. The bottle shape is very recognizable, so much so you probably could identify the brand by the silhouette alone. The bottle, however, is not shaped like a fire hydrant. It kind of looks like it, but actually it's styled after a three-piece cocktail shaker. Company archives include a letter on the letterhead of the United Glass Bottle Manufacturers Limited, dated 22nd March 1948, detailing the design choice. The letter reads, Dear Mr. Perry, When recently discussing with Mr. Connell the question of the special shape bottle under consideration for the export of gin to certain markets, he expressed the idea that an attractive bottle might be made following the design of the cocktail shaker and making straight sides towards the base in place of the tapered appearance of the shaker. I undertook to have a wooden model made illustrating how this idea would work out and have pleasure in sending by bearer wooden model SW1049. I venture the opinion that in glass, this wooden model creates a bottle having very distinctive appearance, and the model therefore submitted for your consideration. Yours sincerely, H.J. Judd. Prior to 1948, Tangeray was bottled in a clear glass bottle without much unique to it. But this current bottle I have, it's remained little changed since 1948 and is molded in green glass. It has a wide band a little lower than the shoulder where a cocktail shaker would fit together. This also is what gives it that fire hydrant look. On the front center, there's an indent into which a red wax, nay, plastic seal featuring a letter T with the text Charles Tangeray, London, England, is placed. Back in 1948, this was a paper seal and was upgraded to wax and then plastic at some point. The neck is short and stubby, and the bottle is capped with a silver-colored metal screw cap. Top of the cap features a stylized pineapple, which is taken from the Tangeray family coat of arms. This coat of arms is featured on the front label, centered above the calligraphy-styled text for the word Tangeray. The label is white against the green glass, and in red text, all capital letters below Tangeray is the word imported. This lends credence to the mention in the letter on the bottle design that it was for an export gin, thus import would be important to the purchaser. The label also reads, distilled four times, made from the world's finest botanicals. A smaller label below the white label reads London Dry Gin, along with proof information. Back of the bottle features the text Charles Tangeray and Company, molded above the wide band. 
Then at the base, there's the pineapple motif, again molded in the glass. The back label is simple with a few lines of brand lore I'll cover in more detail in just a bit, plus legal info and a barcode. Okay, so let's open it up. Brand new bottle, metal screw cap. Just crack it open. And we'll go for a pour. As with all spirits on this podcast, I'm tasting Tangeray Neat. I'm using a clean Glencairn glass for that purpose. It's a whiskey nosing glass. Nice tasting glass that's tulip shaped. Helps concentrate in aromas at the top. Also lets you see the spirit. Nose the spirit and taste the spirit. In the glass, this is gin and of course it is clear as water. But on the nose... <laughs> classic gin aroma. It's got juniper, there's some citrus undertones to it. it. Smells fresh and clean. Yeah, smells of gin. Tangeray is essentially a standard bearer for London dry gin. There's a few others like it. Beefeater, for instance, is nearly as old, but it smells like gin. Now on the palate. Mm. Yeah, clean, gin, there's juniper, a little bit of citrus that comes through. A hint of sweetness, some earthiness, balanced bitter. Let's go for another taste. Nice flavor, a taste of gin. You can feel the heat from the ethanol in it. It's almost 95 proof. It's uh, just a touch under... Well, just a touch over 47% ABV. So you, you definitely get the punch of the alcohol. It just makes it a little hot on the palate, but oftentimes this is not consumed neat. So uh, you've got some ice or dilution to it. One more taste. Yeah, juniper with some citrusy notes it's gin <laughs> it's hard to say what else there is i talk about this with whiskey all the time it tastes like whiskey because it's whiskey this tastes like gin because it's gin tangeray is one of the gins you can measure other gins by this is what gin should taste like and that's a good transition into history so first off for history of gin as a category, go back and listen to episode 44 on Bombay Sapphire. That provides a good overview of the spirit as well as what a London dry style gin is, of which Tangeray belongs. Tangeray dates to 1830, but that's actually just the date that Charles Tangeray and his brother Edward began working at the Vine Street Distillery in London when Charles was at the young age of only 20. This recipe came along a few years later when Charles took over running the Vine Street Distillery. The Tangeray family came to England from France three generations before Charles was born, and their skills were in gold and silversmithing. Charles's father was a minister in the Church of England, and much of the rest of his family were in the clergy as well. 
So it was a break from family tradition when Charles and his brother pursued distilled spirits rather than holy spirits. Edward Tangeray died only a few years after the distillery opened, leaving Charles solely to run the business. Not much is known about Charles Tangeray's personal life. He was sixth of 14 children, yet having come from a large family himself, history only records one child of his own, a son he named Charles. At the Vine Street Distillery, Charles quickly began experimenting with botanicals and developed several gin recipes, but he hit upon a winner pretty quickly with his London Dry. Because he was so good so quickly, it's been speculated that he was helped by an experienced distiller, but however he arrived at the recipe, what we know as Tangeray today is said to have changed very little from what was being made in the early 1830s. This time coincided with the invention and commercialization of the continuous or coffee still, allowing for a much purer and cleaner spirit to be produced. With a nearly pure ethanol base, botanicals could shine without the need for added sugar to cover impurities. And this is where the London Dry style comes in. It's the lack of added sugar in contrast to an Old Tom Gin in particular. After 38 years in the gin business, Charles Tangeray died, just aged 58, in the year 1868. His son, Charles Wog Tangeray, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his middle name correctly, it's spelled W-A-U-G-H. He's often referred to simply by his middle name in order to differentiate him from his father. But this younger Charles took over the business upon his father's death. He had been training to be a grocer, and a grocer in the early 1800s was very different than what we know it today to be. It is more of a skilled trade, and he applied this grocer's training to the business of gin. The younger Charles focused on gin only, and he was a good businessman bringing this grocer's experience with him. Less of a scientist or inventor than his father was, certainly. He worked to develop export markets, and in 1898 achieved a goal that his father likely would have approved of. Tangeray merged with Gordon's Gin, a brand that was both competitor and inspiration to the senior Charles Tangeray. This created Tangeray Gordon and Company. Post-merger, production moved from the original Vine Street Distillery to Gordon's site. Tangeray was heavily promoted in America, while the Gordon's brand served more of the hometown English market. This positioning kept the two brands under the same ownership from competing too strongly head-to-head. And the export focus for Tangeray positioned it well in the minds of American consumers when the grand experiment of prohibition took effect. And while none was legally imported to the U.S. during those years... A strong demand was still present, and enterprising individuals filled the void. In 1933, following the repeal of Prohibition in the United States, it's claimed that Tangeray was the first drink poured in the White House to celebrate. was a Tangeray and tonic. World War II impacted Tangeray, with Axis bombers nearly destroying the distillery, sparing only one still, still number four, known as Old Tom. The still has a name, and though they call it Old Tom, it's not to be confused with the style of gin, for the still itself makes London dry style gin. More on Old Tom 
in how it's made, but suffice it to say the still was saved, repaired, and was back in full production by 1957 at a rebuilt site. In the 1960s, Tangeray sales got a boost from unpaid celebrity endorsements in the form of the Rat Pack, drinking loads of Tangeray martinis. The Rat Pack was an informal group of entertainers whose most famous members included Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr. And these guys drank a lot, including at the Buena Vista Social Club in San Francisco, so much so that Tangeray claims their sales doubled in 1964 without any advertising dollars spent. And it wasn't the Rat Pack buying twice as much Tangeray. It was the appeal of drinking what these famous guys, these trendsetters, drank. Ah, the power of influencers. Also in 1964, John Tangeray, the great-great-grandson of Charles Tangeray, joined the company as a brand ambassador, though that may not have been his job title at the time. John Tangeray would be the last member of the Tangeray family to work for the brand, and he retired in 1989. But let's back up more than half a century to 1922, when Tangeray, Gordon, and company joined Distillers Company a group formed decades earlier by Scotch whiskey distillers who had joined forces for mutual benefit. In 1986, the beer giant Guinness would acquire Distillers Company to form United Distillers, a direct predecessor to Diageo, the largest drinks and spirits conglomerate in the world and the corporate parent of Tangeray today. In 1979, Tangeray sales hit 1,000,000 annual cases for the first time. Then, by the late 1980s, demand for Tangeray had reached the maximum capacity of the Gordon's Distillery, rebuilt after World War II. So a new purpose-built distillery was constructed in Essex, and Old Tom, the still, was moved there. But in 1995, under the corporate guidance of the forming Diageo conglomerate, it wasn't quite formed in 1995, but it was definitely coalescing. So this big corporate owner... They had an eye for efficiency, and Tangeray production was moved to Cameron Bridge in Scotland to be co-located with one of the most technologically advanced distilleries in the world, with high-volume continuous stills producing neutral spirits for various Diageo brands. Tangeray does have its own gin stillhouse, and Old Tom, the still, was moved to the site and is in operation today, alongside two other, newer, similar-sized stills. And those stills are producing what's in the bottle I'm drinking. Some final milestones for the brand's history. In 2016, Tangeray became the most popular gin brand by sales volume in the USA. 2019 sales peaked at 4.5 million 9-liter equivalent cases worldwide, dropping to 4.1 in 2002 as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And in early 2022, Drinks International listed Tangeray as the number one best-selling gin brand worldwide, with it being the brand of choice in 25% of the world's best bars. Okay, so let's talk about how it's made. Tangeray is a secret recipe, but it's only four botanicals plus demineralized water and neutral grain spirit. It's how it's made that's a secret. 
And the four botanicals are not secret. They are simply juniper, coriander seed, angelica root, and licorice. The brand holds two years worth of supply in their botanicals warehouse to ensure they won't run out due to temporary supply disruptions. Also, by holding the juniper for two years, it really allows the berries to dry out, reducing the moisture content and concentrating the flavors and oils. The coriander seed is what lends the citrus lemon peel flavor to the gin. The angelica provides a balance to the flavors and earthiness. And the licorice is used for sweetness and flavor. Licorice is a hundred times sweeter than sugar. Tangeray is created through a redistillation of alcohol in the presence of demineralized water and the botanicals. This is a very typical gin production. And as I've said in past gin episodes, gin is really nothing more than juniper-flavored vodka. It's perhaps the first flavored vodka. It's fitting then, from a brand standpoint, that Tangeray could be considered flavored Smirnoff vodka, as the Cameron Bridge Distillery in Scotland, where Tangeray is made, also produces Smirnoff for the UK and European market. Smirnoff is also made by Diageo in the USA and elsewhere. The Cameron Bridge Distillery also produces distillates destined to become Johnny Walker Scotch Whiskey. The Old Tom Still, still number four, is still in production today as noted previously, but what's most noteworthy about it is it's the oldest pot still in use today, at nearly 200 years old. Obviously, it's been repaired and restored and relocated at least twice, but the essence of it remains. After redistillation, Tangeray comes off the pot stills at around 85% ABV. It's cut down to bottling proof with more demineralized water, pumped to the bottling line, packaged up, and shipped worldwide to consumers to enjoy. So now on to cocktails and consumption. Tangeray is ideally suited for a gin and tonic. That's one of the preferred serves. It also makes an excellent classic martini. It's a brand that's been around for a long time, and if you've got a recipe that calls for a London dry gin, Tangeray is a solid bet. So in summary, what do I think of Tangeray? I'll say it is a really good gin. I was a little skeptical, to be honest, of it having a lot of flavor with just four botanicals. There's been a trend to just dump a whole bunch of botanicals into things. I've covered gins that have a dozen or more And there's some gins on the market today with two dozen, maybe three dozen botanicals that are dumping all kinds of different flavor notes in it. You almost get away from what is gin. The essence of gin, though, is juniper-flavored vodka. Tangeray nails that with the citrus that comes through from the coriander primarily, a little sweetness from the licorice, and the angelica root helps balance it all out. It's a great, solid gin. You would never offend anybody serving them tangeray. It's reasonably priced, $22 for a standard 750 milliliter bottle. That's a value in my book. It's also got a fun brand story. There's real history to it. It's one of Diageo's top brands that they put a lot of focus on, so it's never going away. So yeah, Tangeray, the original. They've got some other versions I didn't mention, but they've got a a Seville orange. They've got a a lime-flavored one. And then Tangeray 10 is the version they launched in 2000. It adds more citrus to it. It's the base Tangeray that I've been covering, but they've added citrus. It's in a different shape bottle. 
It's quite popular. The brand promotes it a lot. But the standard, this is where you start. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorinthecoreconnoisseur.com. You can find the show on your favorite podcast platform. I'm also on social media. Be sure to follow me on Instagram in particular. I love hearing from my listeners, so if there's a spirit you'd like me to cover in an upcoming episode, please do reach out. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>